0: You know, with your local publications and like even like business magazines and stuff, every month they'll have like a lessons I've learned or a day in the life of. And if you think, okay, I really want to be in, you know, Manchester business online or whatever, you just think, well, they've got this slot every week or every month. Why don't I just pitch to be in that? It's a great article. I can really showcase what I do and give people a feel about what I'm all about. And that's something that they're sitting every month thinking, oh, have you got anyone to go as a day in the life or, you know, behind the scenes or, you know, lessons I've learned slot? Well, if you're putting your hand up and saying, actually, yeah, I can do that, then that's a nice, easy win for you. And they're happy because you've helped them fill their slot that they need to do.
1: and welcome back to the Audience Growth Podcast, or welcome if this is your first time listening. You've picked a good episode to tune into today because I am going to be chatting with Rachel Spencer, who is a PR expert. Rachel has a broad background working with all types of media and now specializes in helping pet-related businesses to get coverage. Every single thing we talk about in today's episode is applicable to your business, no matter what type of business you have. So let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the Audience Growth Podcast. On today's episode, I am absolutely delighted to welcome along Rachel Spencer from Publicity for Pet Businesses. Welcome to the show, Rachel.
0: Hiya, Nikki. It's really good to be here.
1: So, Rachel, you and I met quite a few years ago now as part of a business mastermind. And we've worked together since then. You are super knowledgeable when it comes to all things press and PR. And I'm really excited to listen to your tips today.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for your kind words as well. It's really great to be on the podcast.
1: So can you tell us a little bit about your background? What did you do before you set up your business? Yeah, so I've been
0: freelance for 16 years which feels like a very long time but before then I worked on newspapers so I worked on local newspapers, regional newspapers and national newspapers including the News of the World but the less said about that probably the better. (laughs) Um, I worked on my local paper the Warrington Guardian and then I left the News of the World in 2006 to go freelance And I worked for women's magazines, so Closer, Take a Break magazine. I did a couple of things for Cosmo, Bits for Grazia, worked for newspapers, every single national newspaper you can think of I've written for over the years. And then... I started my business doing what I do now. About three years ago, I'd started a pet blog where basically I got a dog myself, became a crazy dog lady, had all these stories about pets and animals, which I was pitching to the press because I was, you know, when you get a dog, you become obsessed with them. And I just wanted to write more about dogs and animals and people making a difference. So I started a pet blog and that was back in 2017. It's called The Poor Post. It's in the top 10 pet blogs and has been for about five years. It's very neglected, but that was where it all started. And what happened was pet brands would get in touch because they wanted to be on my pet blog. And then they'd realise I was a journalist that could help them get press coverage, which was much bigger than my blog and much more desirable, I guess. So I started having like email conversations where people were saying, oh, I want to go in my local paper. What do I do? So I was like, oh, well, you know, try this, that and the other. And I started writing a little bit about advice for them. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take a month off and I'm going to write a book about how to get publicity for your pet business. So that was back in August 2018. I literally threw a book together in a month and self-published on Amazon. And I started a Facebook group for people who'd read the book. And then that grew and it was like, wow, oh my gosh, this is a bit crazy, but it was nice. And then I started having people ask for one-to-one support. And then I had the idea to actually turn this into more of a revenue stream. And that's when I met you back in 2019, because we were in the same mastermind together, because I needed help creating an online business, taking all the knowledge that I had and building an audience and yeah and that's what I did really so now I've got a membership program I've got a couple of coaching programs I do one-to-one and I've got my own podcast the publicity for pet businesses podcast and that's what I do my core business now is supporting people when it comes to raising the profile
1: and how much do you love your job now compared to your job when you went freelance 16 years ago
0: Oh my gosh. So when I went freelance, and I still do a little bit of freelancing, I don't really do door knocks and that kind of thing. But when I went freelancing 16 years ago, most of my time was spent sitting in the car, driving to places, I'd be going and knocking on people's doors to see if they wanted to be interviewed. It could be a footballer. It could be someone from Coronation Street. It could be an ordinary member of the public who used to go out with somebody from Big Brother. And I'd want them to, you know, spill the beans on what they were like. A lot of the time, people would tell me to go away. Sometimes they would threaten to set dogs on me or tip water over my head. It was uh, fun and games. It wasn't like that all the time. It had a really good mix. But now I work with people who've got pet businesses and I'm really passionate about helping them get their stories out there and communicate in a way that feels right for them, but also to help them connect with the right kind of pet parents who might want their product or service. And I absolutely love it. I'm really passionate about it, as you can probably tell. I know you've known me for a good few years, but just (laughs) as we're talking, like, I am really passionate about helping them because I think it's so important that people, particularly after we've had this big, you know, pandemic, puppy boom and pet population has risen hugely over the last two years. I think it's really important that pet parents know that help is out there if they need any support for their pets. All the people I work with run ethical businesses. They all care so much, but what they can sometimes struggle with is the putting themselves out there part of it. And it's so important because if people don't know where they are, how do they know that they could get help for their barking dog in Newcastle or their anxious cat in Birmingham or whatever problem it is that they have. And it's so important because I've been that pet parent as well, where I've come across the wrong dog trainer. It's where I found it really upsetting And I've seen the difference between working with an ethical trainer and a non-force-free trainer. So I've walked the walk as a pet parent as well, but also Mm -hmm. I've had to go through the whole putting myself out there. So yeah, it's great. I feel really lucky. I love my clients and I'm so glad that I had that accidental business happen, really.
1: (laughs) Definitely. And I really resonate with what you're saying. I'm fortunate that I've not had a bad experience with a dog trainer. I've had a great experience because one of my clients, actually, she is a dog. Well, she calls herself a dog whisperer, but she is like a magician when it comes to dogs. She needed help at the beginning of the pandemic to take her business online. And of course, when she created her online training course, then I became her client as well with our dog, Rosie. And it's made a huge, huge difference. So I'm also a bit of a crazy dog lady now as well, which I never thought I would say. (laughs) But there you go. So I know that this isn't a pet specific podcast, the Audience Growth Podcast, but your tips for getting into the press can really be applied to any type of business, can't they? So what would some of your tips and advice be, Rachel?
0: Okay, the first thing that I would love for your listeners to take away from this is that journalists do want to hear from you, whatever business you have. So I know I've talked about dogs and cats quite a lot at the beginning of this episode, but over the years I've worked with all kinds of different people from like engineering companies, to people who run events, to, you know, Pilates instructors, to people who make board games, all kinds of different people I've worked with over the years. I've written about all kinds of different people. So please ignore all the dog or cat stuff. You know, just take away the dog if you've got a yoga business and say, if you have a yoga business, then this is how it would work. (laughs) So journalists really want to hear from you. Journalists are under a lot of pressure at the moment, both locally, regionally, nationally, to produce content. We've got websites. Mail Online will create hundreds, if not thousands of stories every day. They've got millions of readers all over the world. Those journalists need content. They need experts. They need story ideas. They need press releases. There was some research by Cision, which is a big media company, big media database and distribution service. And that found that 76% of journalists do want to hear from brands and PRs. And by brands, you know, that's you and me. We might find the word brand a little bit cringe, a little bit like someone off The Apprentice, but we are. So if you've got a great story idea and you can help the journalists, they do want to hear from you. So that's the first thing that I want people to take away. And the other thing for people to take away is that Getting press coverage is something that you can do on your own. And as with a lot of things we do in our business, with social media, with email marketing, with your accounts, all these different things, it's lovely to be able to hand stuff over to somebody who can do it for you, get it done for you. And if you get to that point, excellent. You know, go and find a brilliant PR. And if you need any recommendations, come and find me on LinkedIn and I will share them with you. But I do believe that learning to do something yourself first is really important. So if you're starting out, you want to dip your toe into PR, then do follow the tips that I'm going to share with you now and have a go at it yourself. If you get some successes yourself, brilliant. And if you get to the point where you're like, okay, this PR stuff's really good for me, but actually I don't have the time, go and find a good PR, but you'll know who is a good PR and you'll know how to work together brilliantly because you'll have learned to do it yourself first. So I've got a little bit of a five-step process and I hope that that will make it nice and easy and break it down for you. So I'm going to go through that with you now. So, the first step I would say, whatever business you have, if you're thinking about getting press coverage, is to think about who you want to reach. So, a lot of my clients are local service providers. If you've got a local business, whether you're a service provider or you've got bricks and mortar business, the people who you want to reach are the people in your vicinity, the people who are going to walk through your door or who are going to go and come to your yoga class or book your social media workshops and come and see you. If you have an online business, obviously you're going to want to reach people, it could be globally. You know, if you are a yoga instructor who works with you know women over 50, then you would put that down. Let's say you work with parents, like I've got a lady who... She works with kids around dogs. So like one of the groups of people she wants to reach, parenting groups, or you have, you know, a real life business for, you know, a particular clientele. Maybe you've got a gym and you only have male clients. Think about who you want to reach. So that's the first step. Very simple, I know, but think about that. And then the next step is to think about, you know, where their eyes and ears are. What media do they consume? And by media, you know, I'm talking about getting into newspapers, magazines, TV, radio. Do think about you know, communities as well. Let's say if you want to reach parents... There might be a really great parenting Facebook group that you could go and be a part of, go and do a guest expert in, or just go and be very visible in, be a helpful person. Again, if you were thinking about parenting, there might be a mum's group at the local village hall or something that you could go to. Let's say if you're a yoga teacher for women over 50, you know, the world's your oyster. It's people all over the world, isn't it? If you're doing that online. So think about like who you want to reach and where their eyes and ears are. And then the next thing is where you want to be featured. So you know who you want to reach. The next step is how are you going to reach them? So you're going to already have some clients, some of the people you love working with, some of the people you'd like to attract more of. So think about, you know, who are they tuned into? You know, do they listen to a podcast? What are they reading? Do they have a favourite magazine? Or do they have a favourite newsletter? I feel sometimes like an old fossil talking about newspapers and magazines, but let's remember every newspaper and magazine has an online element as well. So while you might not see people sitting around reading newspapers in real life as much anymore, even if you go into a local newspaper, they've got their online version. Every article that goes into print goes on their website. That's then pumped out on their social media channels. So if we use the Warrington Guardian, which is my old local paper as an example, they sell 40,000 copies a week of the physical paper. They've got 70,000 people following them on their Facebook page. So that's 110,000. Then they've got the visits to the website. That might be, you know, 100,000 a week. So you've got over 200,000 people So don't dismiss the local newspapers. So, yeah, think about where you want to be featured. And if you have got a local business, don't feel that you need to be in The Guardian or Marie Claire. Yes, it would be lovely if you were and it looks brilliant on your website and it really puts you on the map. But if you're just starting out with stuff, start locally because your local papers are going to really love championing you. They're going to be interested in hearing about you because you're from their community and you're going to have something that you can say to their audience. You're going to be of interest because you're from there. Let's say you've got something really specific that you do. I've got a couple of, sorry to keep going back to the dogs, but I've got a couple of people I've worked with who specialize in one breed. So let's say if you're a dog trainer and you specialize in working with beagles, there's a lady called the Beagle Lady and she works with people all over the world because her business is online. So she goes into beagle communities and she's on beagle blogs and that's how she's able to reach people with beagles and have a fantastic online business. I've got another lady who's got products and her brand is Scruffy Little Terrier. So she's all over the terrier communities. But then she lives on the coast and a lot of her customers are very outdoorsy. They love going to the beach. A lot of her product photography is her on the beach wearing her hoodies and T-shirts and stuff. So like one of the outlets that she went to was Coast Magazine. She had a gorgeous feature in Coast Magazine about being a coast character. So think about where you want to be featured, where your ideal client's eyes and ears are, where's going to be a good place for you like if your ideal client loves reading woman and home go and read the magazine go and have a really good look through it and think okay where can i fit in so like with michelle with the coast character article she started out by having a really good read of the magazine she loved Coast. she wanted to be in Coast. she knows that a lot of her people read it so she went to the magazine she read it first and they do like a salty sea dog page where they talk about dogs So she first went to that page and pitched to the person who wrote that and said, you know, I love the magazine, I love reading this page. I just wondered if my T-shirts might be suitable for the product of the month in the Salty Sea Dog page. And she had this gorgeous product photography of her on the beach. So it fitted together really nicely. And then they interviewed her for that. And then she got this brilliant Coast character feature. So think about where you want to be featured and do put yourself in your customer's shoes. Don't think, oh my God, I want to be in these massive magazines and newspapers. Just think about where their eyes and ears are.
1: I really agree with what you said about any opportunities that you're going for, whether it's a press opportunity or you're hoping to be interviewed on somebody's podcast like we are today. That point about making sure you are very familiar with the publication or with the podcast. You've got to do that first. You've got to do your homework first, haven't you? You don't just want to rock up and say, oh, hi, I'm brilliant. I want to be featured. (laughs) Because then it's really obvious that you're just trying to kind of use that person or use that platform, that magazine, podcast, whatever it is, as a tool or to improve your authority on your own website by saying, ta-da, I've been featured in this place or on your social media or whatever. You need to show that you have a genuine interest in the other person first of all in their podcast in their magazine in their column whatever it might be otherwise you just come across as a bit grabby don't you
0: oh my god definitely you'll relate to this with having a podcast if someone's pitching to be on our podcast we just want to know that they've listened to it and that they want to give us something that's going to be helpful for the people who are listening and it's not just about them and talking about their product so i'm talking about press coverage here but the advice i'm sharing is exactly the same if you're pitching to a podcast so you know you want that journalist or that podcaster or the person who runs that facebook group or that community center whoever they are because publicity comes in so many different ways now you just want to make them feel special like you've taken the time to understand what their people need and what they write about and what they're interested in and you don't just go write about me You need to write about my thing. You need to write about my product. You need to write about my awards. You need to write about my class. You've got to show that you understand and that actually they are giving you free publicity. They're putting you in front of their audience of newspaper readers or podcast listeners and you have to do a little bit of work to make that happen.
1: Definitely. And I think challenge yourself as well. If you find yourself pitching to somebody and you've included the phrase, I would love to be featured. I would challenge you to take that phrase out and replace it with a reason why they would want to feature you. Yeah.
0: So I tell people to say, you know, I wonder if you might be interested in a story about, and then explain the reason why this is of interest to their readers or their listeners. You know, if I was pitching to a podcast, I would say something like, hi, Nikki, I hope you're good. I'm getting in touch because, you know, I love listening to your podcast and I really enjoyed the episode with somebody about XYZ. I'm Rachel and I help small businesses get press coverage. And I know that people who are interested in marketing might also be interested in how to get press coverage i wondered if you might be interested in talking to me about you know five simple steps that can help you get press coverage which means that you don't need to take out ads and actually can fit in really nicely with your marketing efforts that would make you think actually rachel's taking the time to listen and she's thinking about my audience she's explained why this is going to be useful for them and actually your ears prick up and you don't just think delete like you do with probably 99 <laughs> of the other emails you get about your podcast so yeah, just be thoughtful and take a little bit of time because actually taking an extra five minutes will make such a massive difference. So yeah, do your research. And then step number three is watch your story. So again, we've just touched on it. If you go to the journalist and say, write about my business, the same goes for podcasts. So they'll just tell you to take out an advert or they'll just delete your email. So if you're thinking, I don't have a story, how do I go about that? I've got a couple of pointers for you, and this is for pitching to the press. Let's say you've got a new business or you want to build your authority. What kind of things could you pitch to the press? So let's say you've created a brand new product that was a light bulb moment that led to you starting your business. We see like the kind of things that you see on Dragon's Den. So like one example, I was watching Dragon's Den fairly recently. and There was a woman on there and she was talking about upcycling children's clothes. So people spend loads of money on kids' clothes, don't they? She would created this website where she upcycles and people can upcycle their clothes. They can get some money for them and then they go off to other people's families. And it's just really environmentally friendly and a lovely thing to do. And people get these beautiful clothes and both parties are really happy because they've done something ethical and it's a great idea. You know, the light bulb moments are the kind of things that are on Dragon's Den. But if we think about Dragon's Den, it's a really great way to think about how to present your light bulb moment because that's exactly what people do on there, isn't it? So, you know, watch how people do it on Dragons Den. It's like, well, you know, I realised that I was spending loads of money on my children's clothes and then I was giving them away to my friends. And actually, I thought that there could be a way for me to turn this into a business. And that is a great light bulb moment story. So that's one idea. Is there something in the news that you can relate to? Let's say, you know, you work with women who are going through the menopause and there's a report that's come out talking about how activity can help support women going through the menopause. You're a Pilates instructor, you can then talk about how Pilates can help build strength and make women feel better about themselves when they're going through the menopause. Let's say you've had a career change, maybe you used to be a police officer and now you're a yoga teacher. That's really interesting. You might think it's like, oh, well, I just used to be in the police, but actually to a journalist, that's really interesting. Again, lovely local coverage, but you get gems from Women and Home and Good Housekeeping looking for these kinds of stories. Let's say you've won an award or we were just talking earlier, weren't we, about how you're celebrating five years in business. So, Nikki, I'm going to challenge you to go and get some press coverage about you celebrating five years in business. <laughs> so when you've had a milestone like that, you can pick out things that have happened in those five years. So one of my clients Sally she's a dog walker and she had this five-year milestone we got some great coverage for her she wrote down how many miles she'd walked and it ended up being from the north to the south pole in five years of dog walking I know it's great isn't it so she talked about how many pairs of walking shoes she got through how many poo bags she'd used on all these walks (laughs) and loads of other just fun facts about what it was like as five years as a dog walker so pull out similar things for you like for you it might be how many clients you've worked with how many hours you've spent on zoom how many facebook posts you've put out there that kind of thing (laughs) and it's also great content for your own website and your own social media as well and then finally another really good one is are you involved in supporting a charity or a community project these are really nice stories for local press but also you can get in nationals with community work that you're doing You know, The Guardian, love that kind of thing. When lockdown was happening, a couple of people I was working with got coverage in The Telegraph because they were doing things online. One of the ladies was Sam Barnes, who's an artist, and she was doing art classes online. She featured in The Telegraph and in The Daily Express, I think. And then Louise Humphrey, who's a Pilates instructor, she was in The Telegraph. She got loads of coverage actually over lockdown because of the online stuff she was doing. If you've got a good community project, maybe you've got an open day, maybe like Nikki, I know your old life was doing your dance classes. You've got something like that going on that people in the community can get involved in. That's a great story.
1: I think that's a really good point, Rachel, about these people who were getting coverage during the pandemic for taking their businesses online. It's about being timely as well and looking what's happening in society, isn't it? Oh, my
0: gosh, definitely. Yeah, the being timely thing, when I was working with clients, when the pandemic hit, obviously, it was really hard. But from a PR point of view, getting them coverage, it was like, whoa, there's some really good opportunities here. And, you know, like Louise with her Pilates membership, when she was in the Telegraph, she had loads of traffic to her website. It was just the perfect timing because yeah. people wanted to do things like that when we were in the yeah. We all just sat around with nothing to do, weren't we? So
1: Yeah, it's about creating those big moments, isn't it? You were talking about being on Dragon's Den. In the agency side of the business, we have a lovely client who was on Dragon's Den in February and that Dragon's Den moment, it was huge. And now, of course, the challenge is how can we create another Dragon's Den moment? She has a business called Biscuitin, which is a secure digital vault where you can store everything to do with your life. So you can use it as a legacy when you're gone and your nominees can access it. But you can also use it during your life to store all of your important documents so you never lose anything. You know where all your photographs are, where all your subscription information is, all that kind of stuff. And that business came from her losing her parents and realising that she didn't know what her dad wanted to be dressed in for his funeral. She didn't know any of those details. And that is where that business was born. So if you can come up with these angles, it's all about the angle, isn't it, to get press coverage, whether it's the origin story or the timeliness or the milestone celebration. I just love that angle about how many miles she'd walked in five years, your dog walking client. These things that you might not think about every day, you're not think. she's not out there thinking, oh, how many miles have I walked this year? But if you can challenge yourself to think, right, what are these interesting angles that are worth celebrating and reading about? Then that's where the interest comes from, I think.
0: Yeah. And I think also, you know, what are the things that, you know, other people are going to care about as well? So I've got to think about, you know, the the person on the street and what are they going to find interesting about what it is that we do? And also I do find as well, like we were just talking about the dog walker who walks from the north to the south pole. You know, she just thought that story was normal. But when you actually pull out those details, it does become much more interesting, doesn't it? And much more newsworthy. So yeah, another tip is like read other stories in the outlets that you want to be featured in so you can get inspired and you can see the kind of things that they do. You know, with your local publications and like even like business magazines and stuff, every month they'll have like a lessons I've learned or a day in the life of. And if you think, okay, I really want to be in, you know, Manchester Business online or whatever and just think well they've got this slot every week or every month why don't I just pitch to be in that it's a great article I can really showcase what I do and get, give people a feel about what I'm all about And that's something that they're sitting every month thinking, oh, have you got anyone to go as a day in the life or, you know, behind the scenes or, you know, lessons I've learned slot? Well, if you're putting your hand up and saying, actually, yeah, I can do that, then that's a nice easy win for you and they're happy because you've helped them fill their slot that they need to do. And then with the follow-up, always email and say thank you. Thank them on social media make a fuss over the fact that they've taken the time to speak to you or use your content and follow up and say these are the things I can talk about or help you with if you need any support when it comes to you know advice on how to prepare your return if you're an accountant or advice on you know whatever your topic is then yeah I'm always say do get in touch and become that helpful person that they go back to over and over again
1: that's a great idea and would you say that Twitter is the best place to do that or somewhere else
0: Twitter is the main platform that journalists hang out on that's where they're looking for case studies looking for experts looking for interviewees but depends on the individual journalists. Some of the younger ones, you know, they're on Instagram. They might even be on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I can't cope. You know, I know people have had results from LinkedIn, from Facebook groups like Lightbulb. Lightbulb's a really good group to be in. I think you're in there, aren't I you? I
1: remember, yeah. So Lightbulb is a paid Facebook group only for journalists and small business owners. It's run by an ex-journalist called Charlotte Crisp. And I just love seeing all the different stories in there. You can pitch yourself and say, hi, this is me, this is my business, I've just joined, these are the topics that I am ready to speak about. And you can also answer journalists who are looking for people like you to fill their content quota.
0: Definitely go and join that group as well, because there's some really, really good opportunities in there. And you also get a really good insight into how journalists work and what they look for and how to approach them and all of those things, which, again, is really helpful when you're doing your own PR or you're working on it yourself. And then if you're looking at hiring further down the line, then that's going to be really valuable insight. Because most people don't see what journalists are looking for and how they operate and how they work. And So, yeah, that's a really good place to go and hang out. So step number four is to find the right person to pitch to. So this might sound obvious, I know. Let's say if you want to go in a local paper, they're going to have a range of reporters who work there. There might be somebody who is a business reporter and you've got a business story, you go and pitch to them. Often the local papers will have districts. So like where I used to work in Warrington, Limgrapin and Thalwall are all villages. And they were all in one district on their own. And then another set of villages were in a district on their own. And every district had its own page. So every week, the reporters were looking to find stories for that particular district page. So if you helped mums do Pilates and you operated in Limb, if you went to the Limb reporter, the chance of you getting a great picture story about your Pilates-a-thon is a lot higher than if you go to the politics reporter who doesn't cover Limb. And who isn't interested in writing about Pilates? So, do find the right person. Let's say if you're looking to go into a big magazine like Good Housekeeping or Woman and Home, follow the journalists on social media as well and see the kind of things that they're looking for. Just like what they do, you know, reply to their tweets, engage with them, but don't stalk them. (laughs) So they know your name. I know you haven't asked me about this, but a little bit of a no no is to tweet and then type the journalist in whose attention you want to get. Because then it's like, oh my gosh, this person is publicly tweeting me about this thing. And I'm now in this position where I have to kind of respond or not respond and say, I'm not interested in that, or, oh, that looks good, or just anything. It's just not the way to approach them. Some will be receptive to messages on social media. But the safest way to go around this, I would say, is to email them. So find the right person to pitch to. That's really important. And then the fifth step is the writing you pitch. So we talked about pitching lots, haven't we? When it comes to writing your pitch, like, just keep it really simple. Don't overthink it. When I was talking to you earlier about if I was pitching to your podcast, use that little framework that I've given you there. Think about what can you give them? What can you give their readers? It's not about you. What is it you can give their readers? So if you were a photographer and it was National Dog Photography Day and you wanted to get some publicity around that, you wouldn't say it's National Dog Photography Day, right about my dog photography business. I've photographed five hundred dogs from Edinburgh. You would say, Hi journalist, just get me in touch because it's National Dog Photography Day. I'm a dog photographer based in Edinburgh, and I know that with the pet population rising in the pandemic and us taking, you know, 9 million photos of our dogs every week, we just love seeing photos of our dogs. And I wondered if your readers might be interested in some tips about how to take awesome photos of their dogs on their smartphone. My tips are, and just give a little summary, tiny, tiny, like five words, and then say on each bullet point and then say you know if you'd like to chat about this or if you'd like me to send you more information you know to do an article on this topic here's my number give me a call so really short ideally like no more than 200 words put your phone number in because the journalist might want to chat to you if they really like your idea they're going to pick up the phone straight away so be prepared have all of the things that you want to say figured out and yeah and just be brave and think, what's the worst that can happen?
1: And you were talking there in that example about National Dog Photography Day. If somebody's listening and thinking, great, I can see if there's a relevant awareness day for me and I can try and adopt that approach, how much notice would you say they need to give the journalist? How far in advance should they be contacting them?
0: If it was for a magazine, I'd say about three months, if not, maybe a bit longer. If it was a local weekly newspaper, I'd say about a month before, maybe follow up a couple of weeks before. If it was like an evening paper, a week before. If it was a radio station, maybe like two, three weeks before, because you want to be the first person to get in touch about that thing. So give yourself plenty of time.
1: And I'm thinking that at that point where you're trying to generate some interest in your story, you're not sending photographs at that point of yourself. You're waiting for the journalist to come back, but then making sure that you've got press ready photographs, because they're probably going to ask, aren't they?
0: Yeah. So what I would do is I would send a small photo telling the story. Let's say if you make beautiful pottery, a small photo of you with one of your beautiful pottery creations. So just telling the story, obviously, you know, if they say yes, you're going to have some decent photos to send over professional ones ideally, but as long as you haven't got like a can of lager in your hand or a glass of wine (laughs) and you know, you're showing, doing what you do, you can get really good photos on your smartphone. So don't think, oh my God, I can't do it if I've not got professional photos. As long as you've got photos showing what you do and telling the story, then you'll be okay.
1: Brilliant. And I know that this is probably a how long is a piece of string question, but if somebody's listening and thinking, I really want to give this a try, I really want to try and generate some PR for myself. How long do you think they should dedicate to that, let's say, per day or per week? Oh,
0: okay. So let's say you're on a mission. You think, right, I want to get three pieces of press coverage in the next three months. I would spend 10 minutes a day on Twitter and then I put aside an hour every week to do some research, research the publications. And start coming up with ideas. You don't have to spend hours and hours on it. It's not like with social media where we've got to think of ideas and schedule and then keep churning them out with getting mm-hmm. press coverage. Sometimes you can have an idea and like the people who do my programs, because they've learned the steps to follow, have got like quite a straightforward process really. Whenever they have an idea, they just go, right, I've got this list of journalists. I'm gonna send it to the one that wanna be in first. If they come back and say no, I'm gonna work down the list. And it takes them 20 minutes to put a pitch together. And then the journalist might send back some questions. It takes them maybe an hour to answer the questions. But if you think, okay, I want to get some press coverage, I really see the value in it. And I'm going to go on a little bit of a mission over the next three months and work on this. I would put aside an hour a week to do your research and think about story ideas and dip into Twitter and the Facebook groups for 10 minutes every day and look at what opportunities are there. And I bet you by the end of the first month, you'd have some coverage.
1: Brilliant. And that sounds really achievable. So thank you for outlining that there. That has been super useful. I know I've taken some notes. I'm sure that everybody listening has taken screeds and screeds of notes as well. Thank you so much for sharing so generously today. Can you tell the listeners, Rachel, where they can find out more about you?
0: Yes, of course. So my website is publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk and on there you'll find loads of podcast episodes breaking down some of the things I've talked about, like how to find journalist contact details, what's the difference between a pitch and a press release, that kind of thing. You can also download, I know it's for pet businesses, you are welcome to download my free guide, which is five steps to get your pet business in the press. Just scrub out the pet and put whatever business you've got in there because it will work for you. And if you did want, some support i do do like hour-long consultancy sessions and i have done these for other businesses rather than just pets it's just my niche as pets it's what i really love but you know i am open to talking about all kinds of different (laughs) businesses so if you did want to have some support then drop me a line and i'm on all social media platforms at UK. And again, all of the advice i sharing, if you can put up with me going on about dogs and cats all the time, just ignore the animals and swap it for whatever it is that you do in your business <laughs> and you won't go wrong.
1: Fantastic. Thanks again. Great to see you. Thanks so much, Nikki. Take care. Bye. much for joining us today i hope you got as much from listening as i always do from chatting with rachel she's such an expert don't forget to tune in again next week when i'll be back with a solo episode helping you to think about what you can take out of your schedule and stop doing in order to make more progress so often we are encouraged to do more to add in more to achieve more But actually, by stripping away some of the things that we're already doing and not replacing them with anything else, we can achieve much more and more quickly. So I'm going to be sharing a list of things you can stop doing that will help you make more progress. So make sure you tune in again next week. I'll see you then.